0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. So we're going to finish up uh, talking about the gifts of the Spirit tonight. And... um, Next week, actually, we'll be out of town on Tuesday, but uh, Annie is going to be teaching and looks like Elena is going to do some worship and should be great. So, um, Yeah, so we started last week, we started talking about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit and we just want to finish that up tonight and primarily, I think we'll have plenty of time, I, I want to talk about... Um, tongues as far as our prayer language goes uh, because I get real excited about that. I think praying or the devotional part of tongues is um, one of the, I don't know how to say it, one of the most wonderful things that uh, has ever come into our lives. So amazingly helpful in life. So We'll get to that, but last week we talked through six of the nine gifts of the Spirit, and tonight, uh, so that leaves us with three, and the first one of those is discerning of spirits. It's found over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but I'm not going to go back to those scriptures. You can uh, look at those if you like, but uh, the next gift in the list that we're looking at is discerning of spirits, and basically it's just... A God-given or a supernatural ability to discern uh, the spiritual um, nature or or source that's behind. It, it can be it can be discerning the uh, the spiritual source behind a person and what they're doing. It can be uh, a ministry. It can be um, can even be a business. Or a household, it's it's just this ability that God gives us to be able to perceive, to discern what's what is the spirit behind something that's going on. Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it a demonic spirit? What's going on here? We'll look at a biblical example of that in just a minute. But um, I think that you know we tend to think of this gift in the negative. We tend to think of it that, and and this does happen that sometimes you'll just have this sudden. Sense and you just know without any necessarily any real outward evidence or even outward evidence to the contrary, you'll suddenly know that you know whatever's going on here, whatever's being said, whatever's uh, being done, it's this is not of God. And it may look, it may, maybe uh, people may be giving the appearance that it's of God, but you will know in your spirit this is not of God. This is not of the Holy Spirit. And that's discerning of spirits. I also believe this works in the positive. And I think it is a part of how we can perceive that uh, God's grace or his favor or his, uh, well, just the Holy Spirit is is upon somebody and moving on somebody. And we can recognize that. And I, I think sometimes we uh, we'll encounter somebody, or maybe we go into a meeting, or or whatever, start into a conversation, and we'll recognize the grace and favor of God on a person. Um, there is a certain amount of discernment in this way that comes just by being born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Spirit in you will bear witness with things, or or be sometimes grieved, or you know. Uh, we'll have a red flag we say come up on the inside of us you know and we'll realize that something just isn't right one direction or the other there's a part of that I think that just comes uh in in being born again spirit filled having the holy spirit living on the inside of you but of course this is mentioned as one of the gifts of the spirit so as we've said all along this is something that would occur for a specific reason at a specific time and uh it would, it would occur, it would be strong, it would come upon you and you would know uh, one way or the other, you would have this discernment about a spiritual sensitivity about something that's going on there. And so we see, in fact, you can turn, why don't you turn, let's turn over to Acts chapter 16. Let's see. Acts chapter 16, and we'll look at an example of this. In Paul's life. And we want to start in verse 16. Acts 16, 16. Okay, it says, uh, once when we were going, this is Luke writing and he's going along with Paul. He says, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. So that was true. They were servants of the Most High God who were telling them how to be saved, right? So, I mean, what, what was happening on the outside would appear that that would be maybe a a messenger of God, you know, talking to people and saying that. But it says, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. And then when the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. And so they end up in a bunch of trouble over that. But I believe this was a gift of discerning of spirits because what was going on on the outside looked like a godly thing. Here's this girl following him around saying, hey, these guys know God and they're here to tell you the way to be saved. And Paul knew, and it says he was troubled He became so troubled. And if you dig into that a little bit, it means that he was grieved in his spirit. And we talk about, we use terminology like I had a check in my spirit. We say that a lot, you know, uh, about something. Or there was just a red flag, you know, that kind of thing. And of course the scripture does talk about uh, ways that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is grieved, we will feel that grieving on the inside of us. And that's what Paul was feeling. As this person was doing this, what she was saying looked okay, but he was being grieved in his spirit. And he recognized that and cast this uh, devil out of her. And that made her owners really mad. But, um, you know, that's just the point is sometimes people present themselves as messengers of God. And, you know, as you spend time that, you will know Right away, that something's just off. And what we've found, experience-wise, is that sometimes we know why. Sometimes we know what is off, and the Lord will let us know what is off. And other times we don't. We just know something's off. And if something's, if I've got a check in my spirit about something, I don't have to get upset about it. I don't have to freak out. Or I don't have to be mean to anybody. But I'm not going to give myself to it. You know. And so we. We trust that discernment that the Holy Spirit gives you as far as uh, what you're going to listen to, who you're, you're going to give yourself to. We've had situations, we've encountered businesses. We didn't really know anything about it at the time, but when you went in there, it just, something wasn't right. And there was nothing wrong with the business. There was nothing wrong. With, I remember a, a, a place in Durango. There were, well, there were a number of places in Durango uh, they were like that, but I remember one restaurant in particular and different things where it turned out later that the people that owned the place were really into the occult. It wasn't just that they were non-believers. I mean, you know, we go into places that are run by non-believers all the time. No big deal. Uh, this was that these people were really into the occult, or there was another place that they really were into a very... Uh, specific anti-Christian agenda in their lives and using their business for it. And when we'd go in there, we just couldn't feel good about being there. And it took, it was some time later that we ever found out why, but we just took that as, well, then we don't need to be here. You know, there are lots of places we could be. So there there are lots of um, ways that this works. I think we shouldn't confuse this with just being suspicious. Or defensive, you know. It's this is something that would happen by the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Okay, does that make sense to everybody? Anyone have comments? Questions? Stories? I just have one comment. It's like sometimes just because you know something's not right, it doesn't mean you should leave. You know that, that's that's other things. Sometimes if mm-hmm. you're just trying to Right. And a lot of times you are there to pray, or you are there, you know, Paul did something about this situation, but it was after days, you know, that he, I think, I assume, finally knew what to do. I, there again, when I read things like this, I don't think he finally just got irritated with the little girl following him around, you know. I mean, there was obviously more than that going on there. So, so discerning of spirits. It's all of these are you know, wonderful gifts that can really help us uh, in life and help us in ministry. So, uh, so the the next gift is different kinds of tongues, and so we're going to spend a bit of time on this. The next two gifts go together: um, different kinds of tongues. Where did I get that from? The NIV or something? Uh, dif- diversities of tongues, and we'll we'll talk about all that. And then, uh, and then the interpretation of tongues goes along with it in certain situations and I think this is where there's an awful lot of confusion in the body of Christ and where an awful lot of people miss out on an awful lot of blessing because of some of that confusion so basically uh, the gift of tongues it refers to speech that's inspired by the Holy Spirit in a language that the speaker doesn't understand Okay, so the, so whether that's, and we have examples in Scripture, it can either be an earthly language that we don't know. We have uh, examples of that in Acts chapter 2, and we've seen that in person, probably a number of you have too. Um, or it can be a heavenly language, an angelic language, and the Scripture tells us that specifically. It can be one or the other, but the point is, the person who's speaking doesn't know the language. It's a language that that they are not familiar with. Um, in this verse, this, the gift that he's talking about here, it, it, to me, and I, I, this is how I say this, this gift ha- comes in two forms. It manifests itself in two ways. One is a message that is given in a public setting for the people that are there. It's, and so in that case, it is God Speaking through a person to other people, the the communication is going from God through someone in a language they don't understand to whoever they're talking to. Okay, so that's the direction of what I would call a message in tongues. Somebody might stand up in a church service, or that's the only place I've seen it. Uh, but you know, in a church service or that kind of meeting, somebody might have a word for us, but it comes out in a language that they, or, or usually we, don't understand. So when that happens, there's a complementary gift to it called the interpretation of tongues. And again, don't, just really track with me on this. This is a message coming from God to somebody, to people, to a group. So we need to know what the message is. And it's in a language we don't understand. So there has to be an interpretation of that message in the language we do understand. And that's what the interpretation of tongues is all about. So in a, in, we're going to look at a number of verses in a few minutes after we just kind of talk through these gifts out of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And a lot of people get really confused in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And the reason is because... Paul, in that chapter, he's talking to the church of Corinth. He's giving them instruction and correction about how to make sure that what is happening as far as the flow of the gifts of the Spirit go in in their services that they're purposeful, that they are edifying people, that it's building up the church. It's not just a bunch of people speaking in languages that nobody understands. That one way or another, whether it's through prophecy, which is a message from God coming through a person in a language we do understand, uh, whether it's prophecy or whether it's tongues with interpretation, whatever's happening, he's saying in your church service, you really need to be sure that you're getting something done that people can understand and get the message from God okay so a part of this gift and i and i think the gift that really he's talking about here is what i would call a message in other tongues okay so it's coming from God to people the other side of this of this gift is what we tend to call our personal prayer language or it's the devotional or private use of tongues and that is a situation where you are praying so so the difference is the holy spirit in the devotional use of tongues the holy spirit is partnering with us in prayer and so the holy spirit is praying through a person and that message is going to god so that it's the opposite direction okay and so it's our it's a prayer like any other prayer and it might be uh, a declarative prayer or something, but but in one case the message is coming from God through a person to a group, and the other one is the Holy Spirit partnering with us to pray to God. So the message is going the other way. That doesn't need to be interpreted because it doesn't matter if you understand what the Holy Spirit is praying through me to God. God knows what the Holy Spirit is saying. <laughs> Okay, so when it's going that direction, there's no need for interpretation and and so we have we have a couple of at least a couple of instances in the scripture where and and I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures on this whole thing of praying in the spirit because I think this is one of the primary functions uh, most most common, most edifying, most everyday useful functions of the gifts of the Spirit is to pray in other tongues and to pray in the Spirit. And I'm going to give you a number of reasons for that. But does this make sense to you? There's one I'm going to call a message in tongues that's coming from God. It needs to be interpreted if anybody's going to understand it. Praying in the Spirit, that does not need interpretation. So here's where people, um, so we call that, we call praying in the Spirit the devotional use of tongues, the personal use of tongues. We call the message in tongues, we call it a message in tongues. We call it the public use of tongues. But here's, here's the thing, is that, um, well, let me give you a couple more, just, just quick facts first. With, the, with interpretation of tongues, if somebody does stand up in a meeting and they have a message in tongues, usually will be, most of the time that happens in a time of worship or intercession or that kind of thing usually and it seems like usually in worship and there will be a moment where the Spirit of God wants to say something to the group and in some people I tend to get I don't I, I have never gotten a message in other tongues but I've known people and been in church with people who frequently got messages in other tongues and and so they knew To bring that out at an appropriate time, they just they didn't just start squawking while somebody was teaching or whatever. It's usually, you know, how you'll come along and worship, and then there'll be those moments where uh, they call it, you know, I think the little term for it is a pregnant pause, you know, where where it's just like everything kind of everybody kind of settles in, and you just have this sense in your heart that God's wanting to say something, and then sometimes somebody will have a message in tongues. Well then that needs to be interpreted. And it needs to be either the person who gave the tongue might get the interpretation of it, or somebody else might get the interpretation of it. But the thing to remember is that whatever the interpretation is, it's an interpretation. It's not a translation. It's not a word-for-word translation. So sometimes the interpretation is longer or shorter. It should have, it'll usually have kind of the same spirit and feel to it. You'll know that it's the Holy Spirit in you will bear witness to it. You'll know that it's right or you'll know that it's not. <laughs> but, but people get a little nervous about this whole thing. And we've been in situations where somebody had a, a tongue that, uh, and that they spoke out and there was no interpretation. And because Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 says it needs to be interpreted, well, then the church gets all nervous about it. I've never seen lightning hit the building when that happens. I've never seen, you know, uh, God doesn't seem to throw fire at us, you know, if we make a mistake. Um, There were times where you knew in your heart that somebody was just worshiping and worshiping. And what they brought out really wasn't a message it was their own worship and they were just excited and they were young in it and they were trying to learn and they and they spoke this out and usually somebody I mean some you know in this case it'd be me or whoever's leading the service would probably say something and just just keep you know the service headed the right direction but there's no reason to panic if there's a tongue is given and the interpretation isn't there Sometimes there's somebody that has the interpretation and they're too scared to speak, you know? So then God will give it to somebody else. Anyway, my whole point in all that, I mean, we could talk about that for a long time, is, is that I don't think we need to be quite so nervous about these things when, when we're talking about a message in tongues. It's a wonderful way uh, for God to speak to us. Why did he decide to do it that way? I have no idea. Uh, the, the one thing about... And we'll see this in a minute in the scripture. But the one thing about tongues, whether it's the private use or uh, the, the message in tongues, one of the huge benefits of it is that it bypasses our intellect. It really comes straight from the Holy Spirit to through our spirit. And we speak it out. And so it's not, it goes far beyond what we can think of to pray or a, or a message or a word that we might think of uh, to give, you know, and, and so I, I honestly, I think that's part of the reason for it, you know, but it was prophesied that God would use people that, that would, would speak to Israel in languages they didn't understand, you know, and then the New Testament writers uh, begin, to, begin to bring those prophecies back about this. But I think that, you know, so when there's a message in other tongues, it doesn't, it's best, it needs to be interpreted but your own personal prayer language doesn't and this is important because again people get we've actually had uh, through this misunderstanding we actually had a really great couple one time that was coming to the church had just been coming a little while and they actually left the church because uh, I was praying for people up front in the prayer line and the way that I virtually always both worship and pray is I'll pray in the spirit and then I'll pray in my understanding. And I'll pray when, when we're here together in corporate prayer, we pray in the spirit, you know, but we do it, we do it quietly. We can hear the other people praying. It's just somebody else can be praying in English and we can be praying in the spirit. It's just like a generator going off on the inside of you. And so I was praying in the spirit and then praying in my understanding, just going along praying for people. And usually I turn my mic off when I'm going to pray for people just because sometimes private things come up. You know, the Lord gives you something to say to them. And so I usually turn my mic off. And I hadn't that day and there was no real reason to. But so these people heard me praying in tongues. They had a denominational background that believed that all the gifts of the Spirit had passed away and none of them are active today and that kind of thing. But the one thing they knew (laughs) was that if somebody spoke in tongues in a public setting, that it was supposed to be interpreted. And it really freaked them out. I'm not being critical. It really freaked them out that that wasn't interpreted. Well, it didn't need to be interpreted because it wasn't to them. It was my prayer and then I was speaking to these folks. It wasn't loud. It was not It was not a message in tongues. So it didn't, you know, it was just prayer. But uh, they they left the church because of it. There are, in the book of Acts, for one place when the Holy Spirit came upon those 120 people, they all together went out into the street and were all praising God in other tongues publicly. Nobody yelled at them for a group of people speaking in tongues at the same time. The people heard them, in that case, speaking in their own languages. There were people from all over the world. And and so I believe God had them, and it, and the scripture says, That what they were doing, they weren't giving prophecies. They were declaring the wonderful works of God. They were praising and they were giving thanks and they were just overflowing from the Holy Spirit and it was in other tongues. People from all over the world who all spoke different languages. Well, God had them speaking earthly languages and people heard it. They heard what was being said about God in their own language and they knew something supernatural was going on. My point is, that was, that was at least one example where there were multiple people praising God in other tongues in public, no interpretation, and nobody got in trouble. You know? So it's, it's very evident that it's fine for us in a worship setting or in a prayer setting or whatever for, for in public to pray in other tongues and not worry about an interpretation. Does that make sense? Anybody have any questions about that? Okay. Because that's something, and the reason I'm taking so much time on it is because there are a lot of people confused about that. And they feel like any time, if there is a time, boy, there better be an interpretation. Well, it depends on what it is. You know, it depends on if it's a message uh, or not. Okay. So let's talk about this whole thing a little bit um, of praying in the spirit. And let's remember as we begin this, we're not going to start in 1 Corinthians 14, but we're going to go through a number of verses there. Um, Let's remember that when we get to 1 Corinthians 14, because 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, all right, Paul talks to the Corinthian church about all these manifestations and these gifts that were going on in their church. And we want to remember some things that we've been talking about the last few weeks. Paul never discouraged there being a multitude of gifts flowing in a church. What he did say was there needs to be order to it. There needs to be order. Why? So that it can benefit people. And so he said, don't have everybody prophesying at once. Have a couple of prophets speak and then see if somebody else gets a revelation. Don't have everybody just shouting out messages in tongues. Be sure that there's an interpretation. He's talking to the church, giving them instruction so that what happens in their services is actually beneficial to both believers and unbelievers. Okay, So, that whole chapter is written in that context. I believe that if Paul had set out to just, he wasn't answering questions to a certain congregation, he wasn't talking to a certain church in a certain place about what they were going through. If he just sat down and said, okay, I'm going to write a thesis on the gifts of the Spirit, I think it would look different than 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. He gives us a lot of great information there. But it is in a context. It is in a corrective, instructive context. So we need to look at it and understand that. secondly, Paul (laughs) goes to... I wish Annie was here. She wasn't feeling well tonight. But um, she does a good little thing about how, how... She did this real funny little thing the other day. Karen and I both cracked up. Anyway, Paul goes back and forth between talking about the personal use of tongues, praying in the spirit, and the message in tongues. And he doesn't stop every time and say, okay, now I'm going to talk about the message in tongues. You got to figure it out from the context. And so sometimes it even seems like he contradicts himself and, and people are scratching their heads. But once you understand, oh, these are Two different things, and then as I read these verses, I can understand. Always oh, he's talking about praying in the spirit here, always oh, talking about what's happening in your church service over here. The whole thing starts to come together for you, but it does take some thoughtful study. But yeah, and he has a whole little demonstration of what Paul's like, you know. And so, anyway, um, so again, we got to remember Paul said you should earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And he said, the spiritual gifts are, to the Corinthian church, he said, they've confirmed the message of Christ in you. He said, you guys are enriched. You're made wealthy by all the spiritual gifts that are going on. He never discouraged. In fact, he told us, do not forbid, speaking in tongues, do not forbid the gifts of the Spirit from going on. So he never discouraged that. He just said, you know what? You just need to have a little structure and have a little order And be sure that things are happening decently and in order. Okay? So, actually, rather than if you've turned to 1 Corinthians 14, we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to look at a few verses before we jump over there to 1 Corinthians. But in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, this is at the end uh, of some writing on the, the spiritual armor, right? And so he's talking through the spiritual armor, and he comes down to verse 18. And and after all these different pieces of armor, he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So we see this phrase, pray in the Spirit, a number of times in the Scripture. And I believe that's really any prayer, whether it's in... English or whatever your native language is, or whether it's in tongues, but it is a prayer that is initiated by the Holy Spirit. It is not just what we can think of to pray, which we often pray what we can think of to pray, and that's fine, but, it, but praying in the Spirit, certainly at the very, if it, if it is not always praying in other tongues, it at least includes it, okay? It at least includes it. And he says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer all right and then jude chapter 20 can turn there if you like or just jot it down jude it's only one chapter jude chapter jude verse 20 sorry says this it says but you beloved build yourselves up okay build yourselves up on your most holy faith uh the amplified says can. Continual, make continual progress, rise like an edifice higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. So build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit. So, what this scripture tells us is that that term, build yourself up, it literally means, well, it means to build something as it brought out there, like an edifice, to build a building, to make something taller it also it's to charge up like you would charge a battery. And and that's one of the great things about praying in the spirit is it charges us on the inside. There are a lot of times when we are we're struggling with something, we're um dealing with something in our lives, or uh we're you know being we're in a position maybe where we're really needing to stand for something or stand uh, to forgive somebody maybe, or something like that. Something where you're battling something and you're getting weary about it. Man, just pray in the Spirit. Just go somewhere and spend time praying in the Spirit. And and it will just, you will find, it will just build you up. You can, you can pray in the Spirit. You can praise in the Spirit. You can sing in the Spirit. And it will build you up. And I guarantee you, I mean, it's just something that happens. When you're praying in the Spirit. And we've just countless times felt like, felt defeated, felt like, you know, we should just quit, whatever. You go and you pray in the Spirit. And you will just get built up as you're doing it. So that's Jude verse 20 talks about that. Okay. Now, let's go to Romans chapter 8. We're going to have to take a little bit more uh, time on this one. Romans chapter 8. Darned it, every time I turn this thing this direction, I never know where my bookmarks are. I got it. I figured it out. Oh, and I don't have it bookmarked, so don't bother with that. Uh, Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 26. I just want to highlight a few words to you here. This is such a great verse about praying in the Spirit. This whole chapter is about what the Holy Spirit does in us and uh, so in verse 26 Paul comes along and he writes in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express so I want to I wanna share a few of the words that are in that verse with you. Um, Paul says that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And that word we we translate it helps in English. It's a big long Greek word. Uh, it's sun anti Lambanomai. It, it's uh, three separate words put together in Greek. And what it literally means is that the Holy Spirit takes hold together with against. Takes hold together with against. And and so what that means is he comes to our aid, he takes hold of whatever it is with us. He takes hold of whatever it is we're praying into or praying against or praying for. And so it's this picture of him coming alongside, which is a description of what he does, coming alongside, linking arms, taking hold with us. But he takes hold of whatever that is and enables us to pray into it. It says he, he takes, he helps us, he takes hold together with us in our weakness. And that word weakness is the term for impotence. Okay, the term for impotence, it's. Uh, It can be weakness that is caused by sickness. It's used that way in some places. The primary meaning is an inability to produce the needed results. An inability to produce the needed results. So you know how that is. When you're praying over something and you just know, God, I can't fix this. There is nothing. I don't know what to do about this. That's the time to pray in the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will come along, take hold of it together with you. He'll come right into that moment and right into that place. And he will come together and help us in our inability to produce any results. Okay. And it goes on and it says, we, don't not, we do not know what we ought to pray. We don't know what we ought to pray. I mean, how many of us have been in that situation? I think all of us have. I don't, there are situations all the time where sometimes i know what the word says about something and so i can start praying the word you know and that's great but there are a lot of times with human beings in particular you know where i don't know how to i don't know how to pray for that i don't know i don't even know what needs to happen produce the needed result i don't even know what the needed result is that's what this word ought means. It it means what is necessary, what is fitting, or what is appropriate or needed at the time. So, So he's told us that in the same way, the Spirit comes alongside, takes hold of this thing with us when we're in this place of an inability to produce results. We don't even know what we should pray or what is the Proper thing to pray for. And it says, the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. And it doesn't mean He intercedes instead of us. The way it's written in the original language, it's He intercedes with us. He comes together and empowers our prayer. He prays through us and He prays His prayers because our brain doesn't know what to pray. So He bypasses the brain and He speaks words out that we may not understand, but they are the right thing to pray at the time. And it says he intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And and when you you look at this, it doesn't mean silence or or a lack of words. It means groaning and sighing that expresses something too deep to be put into words. That we don't know how to put into words. So the Holy Spirit will come into that situation. We don't know what to do. We don't have any idea and he will come and through those uh, words that we don't understand, he will pray things that are just too deep for understanding. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us that he sounds the bottomless things of God and brings and releases uh, revelation from God and the mind of God through us. This praying in the Spirit is an awesome thing. It's And I think this is why the devil has fought so hard against it and tried to keep people from believing that they can still pray in the Spirit and that this is active uh, in the church today. okay. Does this make sense to you? Okay. So let's go through a few verses in 1 Corinthians 14. We're not going through the whole chapter, but I have several verses here. We'll just go through them and then we can talk about this uh, a little bit. And I just want to give you a few examples here and and bring out a few things that are said. And so I'm going to start with uh, 1 Corinthians 14.2. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. He says here, and, and listen to this and see if you can figure it out with me. It says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Does not speak to men but to God. So which form of tongues is he talking about? Huh? Personal. Devotional. It's the one that is going to God. Okay? Person who speaks in a tongue. So he's talking about praying in other tongues. All right. There are places in this chapter where it uses a different word for pray. There are other places where he just uses the word for speaks. And so that's why it can be a little vague. But from the context, you can see, well, if it's going if it's not going to man, then it's not a message. It's going to God. It's a prayer. All right. And it goes on, it says, indeed no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. That that word mysteries always speaks of things that are Hidden in God that are now being revealed, and so one of the things that happens when we pray in the Spirit is we pray out things that are hidden in God that we don't know, and is not or they're not evident to the senses, you know. So again, we're not just looking at a situation and praying it. We're we're using and notice also here he's talking about anyone who speaks in tongue. He's he's talking about in church because this chapter is about in church so this is also the devotional use of tongues in public but it's someone just praying in the spirit in a church service not giving a message okay next one first corinthians fourteen four. he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself we already saw that in jude verse 20 edifies himself builds himself up charges himself up but he who prophesies edifies the church you speak if I'm here, I'm up here, you're out there, we're all here worshiping together, and I'm praying or singing in the spirit, I'm edifying myself. I'm building myself up. If we get up and give a word of prophecy or word of knowledge or word of wisdom or whatever, that builds up the church. And again, Paul's main emphasis in 1 Corinthians 14 is do things to build up the church. You know, he's not saying don't do the other, but he's saying make sure that you do things that build up the church. But I love that he who Praising tongues edifies himself all right first corinthians fourteen five fourteen five he says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy why Because he wants to do things to build up the church. This is his topic, okay, but he but he does say, I want every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church can be edified. So in a public setting, the person who gives a prophecy is more beneficial for the church than just one. It's beneficial for me when I'm here worshiping in the spirit, but it's beneficial for others, which he wants us to get uh, if we give a prophecy. But he says, unless he interprets. So we get from that, we make this little equation that tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. Okay, If you have tongues and interpretation, it's the same as a prophecy. It is a word from God going out to the church. Does that make sense? Okay, One more. We just have two more, actually. 1 Corinthians 14.6 says, Now, brothers, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? So what he's saying is if I come into a public meeting praying in other tongues... Okay, or, or speaking in tongues to God, what good will it be to you unless I also bring knowledge or word of prophecy or instruction? It'll again, it's the same thing. It'll edify me, but it's not going to benefit the congregation. Again, that's what he's emphasizing. so every every manifestation of the Holy Spirit, every time a gift flows, it should benefit somebody. It should do something. We said that from the beginning, these are specific manifestations that are given for a specific purpose. And and the reason I say that is because sometimes people get all caught up in uh just the fact that that supernatural things are happening. And I think it's part of us being such an entertainment culture. I think we can really miss an awful lot. When we get that mentality that we're just wanting to see things happen, and you know, there have been throughout you know the years that we've been doing this, this, one of the things I think of is back in the mid to late 90s or something at some of the major revivals that were going on that were totally legitimate revivals. There are always some, you know, there's always some fringy things that go on. It's just the way it is, those things. But pr- primarily, they were really strong revivals. Lots of people getting saved, lots of people getting healed, delivered, set free. But one of the things that was happening, uh, began to happen in a number of these places, was what, what was called holy laughter. Okay, And people made fun of that, and they put that down. All oh, these char- charismatics are just a bunch of idiots, you know. Well, there was a legitimate deal going on that the Holy Spirit was doing and we were in some meetings like that where joy, just unspeakable joy was just released into the congregation. And there were people, I mean, there were times where, you know, and it looked pretty silly from the outside. There were crowds of people all laughing so hard their faces were cramping up. And it wasn't from anything anybody had said or anything. It was the spirit of God, and people got healed during those times. They got something happened. Something was accomplished. They got healed. They got set free from things. Depression was broken. They, you know, just all kinds of testimonies came out of that. Then, it was abused, and there were it's, you know, uh, some preachers used that, and then you can get a crowd of people laughing, and once you get a crowd of people laughing. Then the rest of the crowd starts laughing because it's funny, you know? And and I mean, so yeah, there were abuses of it, but there were real times where where it was very real, but something was accomplished. There were times where people, and there still are, but the times of people, you know, uh, falling out in the spirit when somebody would pray for them and they'd be out for a long time, sometimes hours, you know, they'd just be laying out on the floor in the presence of God and... God would be ministering to him, and so there was a lot of that going on. I remember one time, uh, our pastors, Cindy Townsley, asked this one person because they were kind of they were in that place of just oh this was happening and that was happening and 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 I was out for this long and she just asked him. She's kind of a fireball. She just asked him. Uh, so, when you were out for that long, did anything change? <laughs> you know, did it, did God do something in you? Did something happen? And this person was just like, oh, was something supposed to happen? You know, on her point, she wasn't trying to be mean. She was trying to point out that, you know, if this is God, and it often is, but if it's God, something will get accomplished. There's a purpose for this stuff. It's not just for our entertainment. You know, it's not, it's not just for that. So Paul emphasizes that so strongly through this whole chapter that if you're going to, if, you know, let's flow in the gifts. Let's do it a lot. But let's be sure something's getting accomplished. And so if we need some structure with that, if we need to give people instruction with that, whatever we need to do, let's be sure something's getting accomplished. One more and then I'm done. Uh, we'll just jump all the way down to verse 14. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 16. And this is where we find this. I've said this to you a few times tonight. It says, For if I pray, if I pray in a tongue my spirit prays but my mind is unfruitful okay my mind is unfruitful so what that means is this prayer is not just what i can think of to pray it's it's bypassing my intellect and again i think that's one of the huge benefits of praying in the spirit is it it goes far beyond what we can think of on our own but i will guarantee you if you're new to this you know again uh to all you have to do to start operating in this is Pray and ask, or or I'd be happy to pray for you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the place to start. But then, for most of us, we are Westerners. We think logically. Everything we've said for our whole life has come out of our intellect, out of a cognitive, some kind of semi-logical flow, except for Justin. And, And so we're used to speaking from here. And when you start to pray or speak in other tongues, it's going to come from here. It is going to be, this, it's coming from your spirit. And it's an adjustment. And for most of us, not everybody, some people just start speaking in tongues as soon as they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. For most of us, it was an adjustment. It took a little bit of time to kind of figure it out. We weren't making it happen. But at the same time, we read over in Acts chapter 2, it said that they they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them an unction. It's almost like there's a balloon on the inside of you that's full of the Holy Spirit and he'll kind of squeeze the balloon you know and so there's this you just know there's something that needs to come out but you don't have English for it and so you let those sounds come out but you have to use you have to decide to move your mouth and move your tongue and use your voice I mean it, it's it is a cooperative thing and when it first begins to come out and these are words that I don't know and they're just weird sounds and your brain I guarantee you, will start arguing with you immediately and try to tell oh that's not real that's not it or that's the devil oh that's you you had a six months of Spanish in high school it's Spanish you know and I mean whatever'll he'll, he'll do what ever to talk you out of continuing to let that flow out and I remember when I first got filled with the spirit I'd actually been filled with the spirit for some time but I didn't know any I didn't know I could speak in tongues I didn't know that till I was around people that did it and um, I was bugging God about it and I was in a service and I was really upset because other people are praying and worshiping the Holy Spirit and I'd asked and I believed I'd received and what in the heck and and God just said just let it out. It's always been there. Just let it out. I mean, it was just like that. It was like, I thought everybody else heard it, you know? And, and so I just started to speak, but I just had kind of a few words. It was almost like learning a language. It, it was like, I just had a few words, but over the next weeks, it just continued to increase and in flow. So you, so your brain will argue with you because your brain is used to being in charge and likes to being in charge, and it doesn't get to be in charge when you're praying in other tongues. So, You just got to get used to that. Your brain will get used to it too, actually. So I'm just about done. So he he goes on. He says, so what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. And this is what we do. We pray in the spirit and then whatever comes up, we pray it out in English. And we pray in the spirit and we pray it out in English. He says, I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. And that's how we worship a lot of the time. That's how... I always spend some of my time just praying or singing in the spirit during worship. And he says, if you are praising God with your spirit. So we have praying, singing, praising God with our spirit. And he says, how can, so he goes into a whole other thing. How can somebody who doesn't understand give an amen to your thanksgiving because he doesn't know what you're saying. And he goes on again and makes the point of, you know, so, If you're giving a message to somebody, be sure it gets interpreted. But he talks there, I love that, because he talks about praying in the Spirit, praying with his mind, singing in the Spirit, singing with his mind, praising with the Spirit. And, And that's what we see. So I just, I guess in all of this, I know I rattled through a lot of stuff tonight, but in all of this, my encouragement to you, I don't know where everybody in the room is with it, but I just encourage you to, Seek God about it. If you, I, I will pray with you if you like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit tonight or any time. But I always just tell people, look, just you trust Jesus, you know Jesus, you gave your heart to Jesus, you have a relationship with Jesus, just ask Jesus about it. And he's going to encourage you in your heart to come to a point where you're ready to just say, yeah, I want this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's the point to be at because then any of us can pray with you and boom, you'll receive just like that. Because you're no longer worried about it. You're not nervous about it. It's not a weird thing. It's actually perfectly, I think, it's just absolutely the normal Christian life to, to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. That's all I have to say about that. I know I went real long tonight. So anybody have any thoughts or questions about this tonight?